the thing that's like troubled me in the last week, strictly from like a Cleveland perspective, people saying like, this isn't what our city's about. Like, this is not what our city, Cleveland represents so much more than that. And I think the thing that pisses me off, like reading more about Cleveland history is that Cleveland's always been a racist city. You know, Cleveland's main export isn't rock and roll steel, it's oppression. And we do a damn good job at it. You know, and I think like I was reading up on the Huff riots and seeing if there was any parallels between then and now for the people that don't know uh huff riots late 1960s huff is the neighborhood right across from the cleveland clinic and then like the 1950s there was like this white flight away from huff it was like an italian american community and i got a great story about the italian american community with joe dimaggio there but the italians left blacks move in right and then they just leave it for death white owns all the business and they just like stop putting money in it and like the neighborhood turns to blight Unemployment goes up, right? A lot of parallels. There's like unemployment up to 17%. Unemployment's probably a little higher now in that community. And Cleveland police are just bad at policing it. It's all white dudes. And they're just doing some racist-ass policies, right? And then there was this bar that a lot of black people went to. It was called the 79er Bar. And they stopped allowing black people in there, which is like, that's your whole community. So, um, and they start doing some outrageously Jim Crow segregation shit. Black people get pissed off in the community, justifiably so, and they, like, break into this building and rob it, right? And then the National Guard rolls in, and they just start shooting the shit out of these people, right? For, like, doing something inside their community, a lot of bad police tactics, National Guard shows up. Same stuff that's kind of happening now, right? Like, downtown Cleveland, cupcake shop gets broken into, and then all of a sudden we have curfews at 6 p.m. at night. Anyway, the protest lasts for five days in Huff. They did $10 million in damage to the equivalent. And instead of rebuilding Huff, the federal government and city of Cleveland just left it for dead. They said, it's your guys' problem. Fix it. Right. And like just no help came. And now Huff, instead of having 80,000 residents, has 9,000 residents there. But I think the thing is like high unemployment, poor police policy just leads to destruction. Right. And like that's Cleveland. That's more Cleveland than anything else we know. It is interesting how and, and sad how how much that parallels what happens today. Um, and that's what I was going to bring up is, is you have these blips, right? Where everyone seems to care and be united and so on, but how do you make that consistent and how do you carry that through? So then when we go back to our normal lives and we're working our nine to fives, that it matters and that that carries over to not just two or three days. We don't watch an Eric Gardner video and then five minutes later, we're back never thinking about it again. Cause I've been that person, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think like yesterday on Instagram is like a great example of that. Everyone posts their blackout picture, which is great. You're showing solidarity for the Black Lives Matter movement. You're acknowledging that black lives do matter in this country and people don't treat them that way. And I think as soon as you post that, though, you're now complicit with any crime that happens. Right. If that's your first and only step, then you're complicit and you're a part of the oppression. And I think like if you take steps beyond posting that blacked out picture, then you're part of the movement and you're part of the progression that we want to see our country is. And I, I don't mean it to sound like we're anti-Cleveland or anti-country, right? Like we love the United States. We love Cleveland, but we we can do a lot better, right? And I think that's what we're saying by this is we can do a lot better for our people. Certainly. Yeah. That's that's kind of where my, my head's been at in terms of, and Obama wrote about it a little bit in the, uh, the piece that he put on Medium. Um, and that was, you know, he's talking about specific demands for policy and for governments. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to dig into myself a little bit in terms of what are specific concrete things that you can do 
that will actually make some sort of impact so this momentum carries over. So I don't fully know what that is yet. Obviously, donations help, getting actively involved in the community, voting, et cetera, et cetera. No, for sure. And I think that's the problem with like white privilege, too, is that you never have to acknowledge it. And then all of a sudden we're confronted with it. Right. We never lived our life with this, like having to acknowledge that our country is racist. Right. Because we weren't being oppressed. And now all of a sudden we have to find action steps. And we didn't know it was a lot of I'm not going to say like I personally didn't know it was a problem, but a lot of people don't know it was a problem until, you know, uh, George Floyd was killed by a Minneapolis police officer. Right. And now we're thrust into this, but it's a, but like you said, it's important to remain in that moment and think about what we can do next with our privilege to make sure that when it does happen again, because it will happen again, because we live in a systemic racist country, that what we can do next time to make sure we can change something. Yeah. I think it's really difficult to kind of stop that conversation and find a a good place to transition, but uh, let's do it with a little bit of sports and Drew Brees today. Uh, came out saying, you know, he's against kneeling for the anthem and protesting uh, in the fashion that Colin Kaepernick and uh, several other players did. Rob, your thoughts on that? Yeah, what a dumbass, right? Like, I think every team in the NFL, most of the teams in the NFL issued a statement saying they support the protest, right? And then like, they're siding with what's going on. And they want to see like some change in our community. And then to see Drew Brees say that stuff and just bring it so far back to like, when Colin Kaepernick was protesting, like, his teammates got to hate him, right? And I know, like, we were joking in our group chat, like, Mike Thomas, like, is he going to get any targets? I mean, is Kamara just going to get all the touches now? Because who wants to play with Drew Brees? Is Jameis coming in, right? Like, who wants to play with Brees? Is he going to get, you know, the Tanya Harding uh, metal pipe to his ankle so he can't play? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see fantasy implications. What's interesting in that Twitter bubble, not to kind of take another serious tone here, but you get... um, I don't want to say an echo chamber, but a large portion of those people are young and um, are going to come out against Drew Brees and call him an idiot and so on. And But there's a whole other section of the population that I drive home from work with Trump flags in their front yard that are going to be backing him and going to be a Drew Brees fan until they die, right? And that per- that's not the perspective you really get on Twitter. Right. right. You know, some guy in, in Menor, Ohio, went out and bought a Drew Brees jersey today because he said what he said, right? Yeah. And you know what I mean? Does he get some support because he said it? Yeah, but he doesn't have to – he doesn't play with the guy from Menor, Ohio, right? So, like, why do you say that? There's, like, so much of a larger discussion that needs to be had, and he had a platform to have that discussion, and then he said something so – so dumb. And like, if I was his teammate, I'd be pissed at him. Like regardless, it'll be interesting to see if he walks that back or explains himself a little bit more. Um, the, the, the second half of those conversations, once it blows up in their face are always interesting. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right. Break down the show a little bit here today. Uh, rundown. We got our pick six as always moved into the self-involved segment. What kind of numbers did we put up last week? New little segment. I think I've done it before on one of our early episodes back when we were uh, just young cats trying to make it in the biz. Look at us now. Which is DJ's iPhone notes. Yeah. Uh, A couple things or rather like a list of eight to nine things that I just uh, jotted down on my iPhone over the last week. And Rob's going to he can ask me about one to further elaborate and we'll move from there. And then we have our film school hard knocks as always. Uh, and then we get into our questions from the fans. So we start with the pick six, Robbie. Eliminate one song from existence. Boom, gone forever. 
I'm getting rid of the electric slide. I hate a weddings, like the communal dance number. I'm anti it. I don't think it should be played. I think it's cop out for DJs. If they could get rid of that and the DJ had to put a little more effort into it, I'd be all about it. Mine is LMFAO shots. I despise uh, everything about that song. Uh, way overplayed at stadiums and arenas when it doesn't make sense in a family-friendly environment. Uh, and it's just an awful song. So that's my number one. What inspired me to, to, to bring about this question is coming up with a wedding no playlist. So I have quite a few, and I think I was pretty – I think I have a pretty good palette for keeping the the classics like a Whitney Houston, you know, dance with somebody and then eliminating just all the shit that's way overplayed. So if you're interested, I'll, I'll rattle off a few. Yeah, I'm interested, Deej. And I agree with you. LMFAO, like shots, is one of the worst songs of all time, right? But I do think you need to tread lightly here, right? Because there are some guys that are going to be attending your wedding that are listening, myself included. And I'm just saying, I guarantee Shots is going to play at your wedding, right? I'm going to bribe the hell out of the DJ yeah. just to make sure Shots plays. So right. Go ahead and give us your list. but Throw a little Benji in his, uh, his pocket. Um, I also had Party Rock Anthem by uh, LMFAO. I just don't like them in general. Uh, a couple Bruno Mars songs. I think they're way overplayed. Uh, let's see here. Get Low by the, you know, Lil John. That's probably number two on my list. Reminds me of middle school dance. And for some reason that song is carried on into other generations, but it doesn't, it doesn't hold up. Uh, low flow rider. Yeah. Usher a couple you'd be interested in. I had chicken fried by Zach Brown band wagon wheel, Darius Rutker, uh, YMCA shout baby got back. Uh, that's, you know, that's a few, but the list is, oh yeah, also no R. Kelly or M, uh, Michael Jackson. Yeah, don't want those vibes in there, right? And you're just saying at your wedding, you don't want the the chicken fried, right? Because like Zach Brown Band, chicken fried, I mean, that has its place. It does. It's just, I don't know, not me. All right, number two, Robbie, are you a restaurant review guy? See, I, I, I have a question with this, DJ. Am I like... Are you asking if I'm actively going on Yelp and placing my own reviews of restaurants? <laughs> uh, interpret it as you will, but I meant more so uh, you're looking to go somewhere and you look on. I'm a Google guy. I'll typically look at the stars there. Uh, more so in that in that world. Gotcha. No, I'm not like personally going on Yelp to answer that question. Do I read restaurant reviews? Yes. Like there's this guy in Cleveland. I know we shouted him out on Twitter before. Doug Tratner writes for Cleveland Scene. That dude's like the holy grail. And of Cleveland restaurants, right? Like if you get a good review, you're golden. You get a bad review, no one's showing up, right? And there's a great example of that, a place in Tremont, Salsarito. I shouldn't name drop them, like rest in peace. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was like Indian-Mexican fusion. And it, it Doug went in there, gave it a bad review, and it died like three months later, right? So don't piss Dougie off. He'll get you. But like as far as like the Google review, which you were saying, like I don't care about like one review individually. Because I think there's like a lot of toxic people on there, but I'll look them in the aggregate. Like if some place has like three stars, I'll be like, mm, maybe I won't go there. Place has like a four point nine, I'll be like, okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, you, it's it's a sliding scale depending on the platform. Yelp is hard to trust because a good place truthfully can have two point four because they filter out positive reviews. There's a lot of scammy shit with Yelp. Google, I trust it's always going to be higher. You know, if you're not like a 4.5 range on Google, you're truthfully not that, you know, maybe 4.3. You got to be that and above for me to be feel really good about it because uh, 
it's just more prone to positive reviews. Now, I do read individual reviews uh, at restaurants. Like if I'm going to go eat, but I, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. You feel like you try to get to know the person a little bit, their writing, their tone, if they're trustworthy. From three three sentences, you can usually gather that. Right. Yeah. If they're like straight toxic and say like they didn't fill up my water every time I took a sip. Yeah. I'm giving it a three star. Yeah. And I guess like to add on to that, I just don't, I personally don't eat at restaurants anymore. And like even before shutdown, I was thinking about like, I've been to like very few restaurants. I like normally eat at bars while I'm drinking. Like mm. that's all I do. So, I mean, maybe I'm not the guy for the restaurant. For yeah. Right now. I actually have started writing reviews. So if anyone wants to go find mine, they're not that interesting. I usually write just one or two lines and I'm a strictly five star guy. It's like a little addition to a tip. You know, you give a nice little tip, you enjoyed your meal and you give a five star review. I love that, Deej. Maybe I'll start doing that too. A place that's new too. reviews matter. You know, if they, you know, they got a thousand plus reviews or 500, it's a different ball game. In their infancy stages, they got 20 reviews. You're, it actually matters. Three on the pick six here, Robbie. We need to talk some sports outside of Drew Brees' lame ass. So I scoured the internet. I'm trying to think, like, what can we talk about, right? What's not going to be that tired sports conversation of best logo or some top five bullshit list? So we went back to the gambling well. So scenario here, you got a hundred bucks from all your friends. You know, they're investing in you. So you have thousands and thousands of dollars and they want 10% return on their investment on futures. So sports you know, that are coming up. Um, what are you putting it on? hundred bucks for every person. Okay. You want me to get my full breakdown right now? Full breakdown. Okay. So I'm going some long shots. We're trying to get the boys some money here, right? We're not like, we're not getting piece so high risk here. profile. Uh, high risk profile, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm going Rockets to win the NBA championship. I'm putting 20 on that. That will net you 240. Okay. So if that hits, we're covered. We're good. You can win 240. I'm going Lightning to win the NHL championship plus 620. I know I talked about Blue Jackets earlier, but those odds are dropping. I'm not touching the Blue Jackets. Plus 600 for the Lightning to win. Dropping 20 on that, then that 120. That comes through. We're good. And they're one of the favorites. I'm in the Bruins plus 600. I like both those. A lot of things can happen in playoff hockey, but I'm peppering the Lightning. Uh, I'm going Seahawks to win the NFL champ, win the Super Bowl. Putting 20 bucks on that, uh, and that's to win $420. So, man, we'd be booming then. I'm going Offensive Player of the Year in the NFL. Offensive player, I know it's a little, you know, it's on MVP. You can give it to somebody else. So it doesn't have to go to a quarterback. I'm going Christian McCaffrey plus 1300 And I'm only putting 10 bucks on that, right? Same honest. That's to win 130 bucks. Again, we're covered. We just got to hit one of these boys. And the last one, last one, this is let's all retire. Let's go to Punta Cana together. 30 bucks. NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Going Miles Garrett. Coming off that suspension. He's hungry. That will net us $990, Deej. We're going to Putacana. Talk about return on investment. Mine is a more low-risk portfolio. I got 20 bucks on the Chiefs to win 130 at plus 650 to win the Super Bowl. I'm a huge believer in the Chiefs. Uh, if you think about it, six and a half, you know, one in six and a half odds to win the Super Bowl. You got to think they're one of the best six teams, you know, minus an injury of Pat Mahomes. You got to think they'll at least be back in the AFC Championship minus an injury. So I love that right there. I got 30 bucks on the Lakers to win $81 at plus 270, 35 bucks on the Bucks to win uh, 84. So if either of those hit, 
you get your money back. You get 119 for the Bucks. You get uh, you know 111 for the Lakers. So you're just hitting that 10% margin. But we're going low risk portfolio here. And then we're, with our remaining 15 bucks, we're putting on Matt Ryan MVP plus 4400 to win 660 dollars. So we we sprinkled a little bit because I know I'm going to cover with one of those three. And uh, Matt Ryan. You know, I'm a huge Falcons fan this year. I'm going to put a lot of pepper on them. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I like the Lakers Bucks picks, but you're throwing away 65 bucks on one of those. You're throwing away at least 30 bucks on something that's not going to happen. Right. My team, my investors only want 10% back. I got to get them 10. I have it's priority number one. Oh, we're going to get them 10. But I think like when the NBA this year and full transparency, I don't know anything about the NBA. I don't think I've ever won an NBA bet, but. It's going to be such a toss-up, right? You're talking about injury profiles. People just got two months off. They might not be in playing shape. I'm taking some long shot odds, right? I, I don't think the Lakers. I guarantee it's the Lakers, Bucks, or Clippers. There's only three that can win the title. Boom. Heard it here. Okay. Well, if that's if that's your risk profile and they only want 10%, why don't you throw money on the Clippers here, Deej? Yeah, I could. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll talk to my investors there. Maybe we'll switch it up there. Uh, another thing when I was looking at those odds, can you guess the Browns odds to make the playoffs to make plus the playoffs? Yeah. Uh, it's going plus one, one thirty. Not bad. Plus one sixteen to make the playoffs right now. So you're on plus money, which isn't bad. I wouldn't mind sprinkling that a little bit there. Right. Yeah. Big Ben coming off that injury. I like it. We're big Browns homers, guys. We know that. But anything on the plus side, I'll take it. Anything on the plus side, agreed. We'll, we'll think about that a little bit later. You know, some training camp videos might come out and those odds might, you know, go back to even. So we got to hop on that. No, like anytime you see a Miles Garrett workout video, you're like, yeah, I got to pepper it. Just 10 bucks here, 10 bucks there. Keep throwing 10 bucks at it and see what happens. I agree. Number four. The biggest sports gas I've gotten this week is watching random people smoke drives at Top Golf and on the first tee and so on. So there's like this now famous Mike Trout video. There's all these attractive women uh, and just random dudes smoking it over the the net at Top Golf and hitting it 350 yards and so on. Is there any feeling as an old person now that is quite like hitting a 280 yard drive down the pisser? man, that's got to be up there. You know what I mean? You only get so many of those as an old guy. I mean, you only get so many as a young guy too. I th- but I think it all matters on context, right? If you and your buddy are up one hole going into the 18th, right? And you just get that back-breaking drive and you can put the clubs away, you know you did it. Like that's got to be as good as it gets. But I think the only thing that I came up with either th- other than that is like getting that last strike in a bowling league, Right. You know your team needs 10 pins. You get the 10 pins. You, you end the week. You have one more beer. You go home. Love it. I got uh, sinking the game-winning three in a pickup game, which I'm not in a b-ball league, uh, but I'd love to be. You know, you're playing up to 11, 12, uh, and win by two, and you drill that three. It feels amazing. It feels like you're back in, like, a game that actually means something. I had hitting the last dart, uh, so usually that's – if you're playing cricket um, and usually you're quite a few beers deep, you know, you have some money on it, sometimes significant money. So it feels like high pressure and people get pissed and so on. So hitting that last dart is huge. And then a little bit of an OG here, but 
because I, you know, as 29 year, as a 29 year old, I don't play a whole ton, but beer pong hitting that last cup still feels like you are when you're young, you know, it's a one V one or whatever. You got this tournament going and like the one time a year you play beer pong hitting that last cup just brings you right back. Oh, that's all kinds of juice. I'm where I'm with you. Not too many old guys playing beer pong, right? If we're not playing much at 29, but man, that does give you the juice for sure. Five on the pick six, we got Goodell versus Portnoy. Uh, so an interesting backstory there. Uh, we don't like to talk about Barstool too much because they are our rivals. You know, there's direct competitors in the market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah direct competitors. Exactly. Anyway, Dave Portnoy, who runs Barstool, as everyone knows, would history of, you know, getting on Godell's nerves and he's been like escorted out of games and so on. Anyway, so the NFL does this auction where you can spend a night, uh, Monday night football game and Godell's man cave with him. So of course, Dave with his money spends 250 K wins the auction. Going to be hilarious moment, right? NFL has got to make a move, let him actually come and so on. So he eventually gets an email saying, you know, we have to, uh, rescind your bid because you didn't pass the background check. So they made up all this bullshit because he's been thrown out of NFL games and so on. So once again, Goodell looks like a coward and the feud continues. But I understand Goodell's perspective on it, right? Like he's the guy that came out with the uh, poor noise, the guy that came out with the clown shirts of Goodell. Like you don't want that guy in your house. Right, feeding them fucking cocktail weenies. There's no way you want Portnoy in your house, right? I get why he did it, but great pub for obviously for Barstool. And uh, I mean, Goodell's not going to lose any money over this, so good for him. It's going to end up in Barstool throwing a massive ass party, making a shit ton of money on it, making a shit ton of money on merch, and it makes the NFL the NFL can do what they want. It doesn't affect them at all. So here we are. The more interesting Barstool recent story that I loved was. Uh, the four dudes from four play playing Kevin Kisner as a scramble versus the 35th player in the world, four versus one, and they beat him by a hole. Just, uh, I think they posted the video today. Just, you know, I think just in conversations between us and our friends, we've talked about that before, like putting a four man scramble together. Could you beat a pro? And so they beat him by a hole and it was just a, like a classic matchup truly. Uh, they played from like 7,600 yards, which seems like a shit ton. Um, and yeah, that's just cool. Like you dream about doing that sort of thing when you're a washed up, like mid nineties golfer. Oh, for sure. Like have some kind of competitive, like juice on it. And to think that you're beating a pro golfer, right? Who cares if it's four other dudes on top of it, all scrambling, right? They beat a pro golfer. And those guys honestly are not that bad at golf, right? Like they're obviously shitty, but like. You got them out there with us. Like we, you know what I mean? They're probably a little bit better than us, at least like some of them. Yeah. You got a Frankie. Uh, what's his name? What do they call him? Frankie. Butternice. <laughs> Frankie, Frankie Butternice. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, we got to start coming up with nicknames for our friends like that. Although you're not mm-hmm. a golfer anymore, so I can't talk to you about that. That's six true. on the pick six. Rob, are you into space? In All general? Space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love space. I really do love space. Think about it all the time. Um, and I'm honestly pissed that it got privatized, right? Like there's so much cool shit that comes from the U.S. government going into space. Like the reason we have tel- like cell phone technology and like satellites and stuff is all because they sent a dude into space and they figured stuff out and solved problems. And now instead of like us benefiting from it, it's going to be like Elon Musk benefiting from it and then trying to make margins over top of us, right? So I'm kind of pissed that... The U.S. government's not doing this stuff anymore. 
Yeah, I had a take that I heard echoed from a few people, so I'm trying to transition it. But my mind initially was, well, we did that 50 years ago. Why do I give a shit if we can go in space again? Like, it feels like technology should be so far advanced that I shouldn't give a shit. But then you watch like a rocket launch, and you're okay. That's pretty cool. So I'm excited to see where that goes in the future. But I, I don't know. I'm not like tuning into that live. It's not my thing, I guess. Right. Yeah. And it's one thing to think like a private company can create that technology away from the U.S. government, right? Like instead of NASA with like the best minds possible creating this stuff like it's scary to think what private companies could do like do we want a private company developing nuclear technology i think that's far-fetched like we shouldn't think about that but like where are we going to go next also is amazing now thinking about obviously i don't know shit about it but in 1969 you have what what would you know like just the technology difference and what you could put on a fucking flash drive now is in a space shuttle and they got to the moon with that shit it's insane or did they? Was it all staged, Deej? I don't know. I don't know. Minus 1,600. Well, know that it was staged. I would okay. Say. All right, that's the pick six. Moving on to the self-involved segment. Robbie, we run the numbers every week. What do you think we pulled last week? Man, I had fun recording last week's podcast. Hopefully, a transition to some listeners. Uh, I'm going 62 this week. We pumped out uh, 46. So we have like our core listeners, which is in that 46 range. And then we build on that. We have a, we put out some good ass content. Maybe my like headlines on the podcast are a little bit better. We creep into those 52, 50, maybe low sixties range. So we'll see what happens next week. We got 78 on the prior podcast. So that one's building up. We move now into a segment called DJ's iPhone notes. Rob, do you know how this works? Uh, I think I have some vague idea and remember a little bit of it, but I'd like to hear some more, Deej. So I came up with the rules here. I'm going to list off all these things that I put in my iPhone notes over the last week. You have to remember them. I'm not going to repeat them. So um, if one at the beginning, you forget it, you can't pick it. And then you pick one and I elaborate on it. And then you also get a bonus. So all you have to say is, Deej, I want a bonus. And then you can ask about a second thing. Oh, okay. Sounds good. I'm in. So literally, you can ask about two things, but you don't have to use your bonus. Okay. The rules don't make sense. All right, DJ's phone notes. Hop on a PJ. Awful green screening. Lodging a basketball in the side rim. Slim Jesus. Lying down eating string cheese. Playing audio loud while on a public toilet. How do they count calories and food? Miley Cyrus, we can't stop. And keyboard commands. I want to hear about Slim Jesus. Slim Jesus. Do you remember him? No, I don't. So Slim Jesus was a rapper, I believe, from Southern Ohio, uh, a little Eminem looking guy, very slim. Uh, and this he had a song called and it's killing me not to know this, but you would once I type him in, if you want to talk about cultural appropriation, he's kind of the uh, the face for that. Drill time. Right yeah. yeah. Drill time has 54 million views from four years ago. He was. uh the song's actually, I don't know if I can call it good, but a banger maybe. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was just remembering him this week and there's all these, you know, there's this list of just random YouTube rappers like that that pop up and they have this big banger and then they just fade into existence. So that's Slim Jesus. Nice. I definitely want a bonus. Okay. All right. <laughs> can I hear Can I hear about the string cheese, laying down eating string cheese? 
Yeah. So a common debate, you know, is how do you eat string trees? Do you do you chop it off with your mouth, just eat it like a normal food, or do you peel it and eat it? So I'd love to hear your answer on that first. I'm a peel and eat. I like to savor the string cheese. Yeah. So I did a little combo platter. I was peeling, I was chopping, I was doing little pieces and so on. But there was this moment this week where I was eating string cheese laying down. I guess ironically, I don't know if that's the word, watching the Jeffrey Epstein documentary. Um, and I was just enjoying life. Just had a little 9.30 p.m. string cheese, eating it, and it just felt so good. And it's like a great lying down food. There's not a lot of foods you can eat comfortably while lying down. And that moment, I was just at peace with life. Right. And it's not like you can lay down and eat potato chips or anything like that. Because then you wake, you get up, and then you feel like a fat piece of shit because you got about 17 like salt and vinny chips on your chest. So I agree. String cheese is a good laying down food. I'm in on that, DJ. Yeah, I'd love to hear other ones because I'm I'm interested in that. I'm always like, oh, yeah, I do kind of want to eat, but I got to get up and then I got to sit up. So s- laying down food, very underrated. Maybe a topic for a future pod. I like it. All right, Film School of Hard Knocks. Not a whole ton here this week. Our movie of the week is going to be, we talked about it last week. It's called Spelling the Dream, which came out yesterday, I believe. So it follows four uh, competitors. They're all uh, Indian Americans and how they've, you know, their nationality has ruled the script spelling spelling bee for, I think, like 20 years, something like that. So it, it seems really interesting. And there's a bunch of different age ranges and just how they study and how committed they are to it and how smart they are. So I'm just interested in watching that. Uh, seems like a cool doc. Yeah, I think that sounds good, DJ. I might actually watch that one. You might actually watch it. All right, cool. What are you watching this week, Robbie? Uh, I watched a movie this last week. It was called Hunt for the Wilder People. It's on Hulu, and it, it involves a, like that New Zealand kid in Deadpool 2. He's a chubby little funny kid. Uh, definitely recommend it to people just looking for a movie. Pop it on, some funny accents. Uh, he's cool. I like it. Watch it. I gave it a uh, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. All right. What's that available on? It's on Hulu. Mm, okay. Maybe I'll check it out. Probably not, though. Uh, Space Force. I've been watching that. I, I said I was going to give it the pilot. I've actually watched four or five episodes. It's not very good. I don't recommend it. Yeah, it was trash. I mean, like, yeah. once you get beyond, like, the parody of it, like, it's just not entertaining. This doesn't have the, the gusto. High School Jeopardy, we've been digging through those episodes recently in terms of um, old ones on, on Hulu. Uh, Netflix actually doesn't have a whole big library right now, but Hulu has some of the more recent seasons. And high school just makes me, well, it's obvious, makes me feel smart. I think I rattled off like 14, 15 in one round. But, and, you know, usually I'm more of like a three, four type of guy, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I wonder what kind of like Jeopardy numbers I like routinely put up. Maybe I'll start marking them and see what kind of numbers I put up. I feel like I'm a, I'm an eight, nine guy. I'm not, I mean, okay. not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I'm an eight, nine guy. I found that I'm pretty good at pop culture and everything else. Uh, your boy's got to study up. It, yeah, it all depends on categories. Like, if you hit some good categories, you're good. Absolutely. Also, The King of Staten Island, which I don't think comes out in time of this next week, but I'm looking forward to that. It's a Pete Davidson, like, semi-autobiographical film. If you haven't seen Big Time Adolescence, which is also uh, Pete Davidson, Machine Gun Kelly, and a few others, pretty good movie. I give it, like, an eight and a half. That's just kind of my sort of lane in terms of, like, the independent kind of uh, – I don't even know how to define it, but big time adolescence, I recommend. And then King of Staten Island comes out next week. 
Project Greasy Light now. I had one for this week, but I, I'm going to cut it because it's not my original idea. And Project Greasy Light needs to be my own idea. So what it was was, you know, there's been a few movies that have taken from like um, like Twitter uh, threads, you know. I forget what the one famous one is, but this one was from a YouTube comment. So I was watching this pizza review of the video the other day. And so this person goes off about Ed, uh, what's his name? Ed Helms and Ed Helms is in the salon and he ends up breastfeeding a children. So a child. So that's basically the, the story. Um, so I'm cutting all the corners there, but it was a funny comment and it builds up to it. And then you have a, a surprise ending where Ed Helms is breastfeeding a child in the waiting room of a salon. That sounds like a good one. I, we probably would have picked that one up. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll post that. Uh, I'll post the full comment. Give the, the proper credit to whoever posted that on YouTube, even though they probably stole it from another YouTube comment. Cause that's how it works on, on that platform. Mm-hmm. Sweet. We move on to the cues from the F's Gavin from Madison says, greasy guys, what are your thoughts on wingtip shoes with jeans? Yeah, dude, this is a tough one. Like I hate it personally. You're not going to see me wearing wingtip shoes with jeans. Um, I just think it's like the mold. It's like the little uniform, but somebody who sells like housing equipment, like, yeah, I sell lumber. And I, you know, I want to resonate with like some of the blue collar guys I work with. I want to make sure they know that I, you know, I'm wearing casual jeans, but also um, I'm here for business. I'm wearing the wingtips. I just don't see it. Like, don't be a part of that. See, I'm okay with it because I realize the grind every day of wearing jeans. So I wear jeans to work. I wear jeans 95% of the time in a social setting outside of when it's 90 degrees out to constantly match shoes with jeans is not an easy thing, right? So do you wear kind of a more styled shoe or do you go sneaker? And then, you know, budget wise, your kicks get dirty. And, you know, I constantly struggle with that, especially with the weather changing in Ohio. So whatever looks decent, and I think that looks decent enough, I'm going to be, you know, I give it a thumbs up, even though I personally wouldn't do it. Okay, I hear it. Do you all, would you match it with your belt too? Are you like so? Do you always wear a belt? Are you a belt guy? I certainly always wear a belt. I am almost exclusively um, because it's very casual uh, where I work. I have everything tucked out almost always, so I try to get button ups. And that's another discussion. It's like the tucked in versus you know untucked look which I know untuck it as a whole brand itself, but getting something that's slim enough where you don't have that swaying back and forth that you can leave out and it's not too long and so on. It, there's a science to that. It's tough. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, nice. Some good insights there on dress shirts. I don't wear them, so I wouldn't know too much about them. Even right. polos. I'm a large guy typically. I know I'm digging real deep here, but I bought some Nike polos. I had to go to medium so that they actually fit and they didn't sway and I could wear them untucked. All right, number two questions from the fans. Uh, Amber from Ohio, who I think she's she's written in a few times here, so I've, we're giving free barrel advice on the constant here. My husband has been meal prepping. Today he's made a week's worth of egg salad. Needless to say, the smell in the house and refrigerator is unbearable. I personally feel egg salad sandwiches are inconsiderate to the inconsiderate to eat around others. What foods do you feel should never be eaten in a group or lunchroom? Yeah, I mean, egg salad, that, that's a different kind of stink for sure, especially a couple of day old egg salad. Um, but additionally, I don't think you should eat tuna in a workplace. Any kind of seafood you probably shouldn't be bringing into a workplace, especially like microwaving it. Like that will just emit some smells, right? Like even if you're draining a tuna can, like that's everywhere. That's pervasive as hell. 
Um, but I do understand, like, if it's in your house and, like, the dude's eating some egg salad and he likes egg salad, I think you got to let him fly and eat some egg salad. Yeah. I don't know any specific foods here, but there is certainly in the workplace an etiquette to the microwave. Certainly want to cover your food and then take it elsewhere if it's really smelly. Uh, I'm trying to think of one specifically off the top of my dome. Leftovers can be bad just in general, like a chicken salad, anything mayo-based. I think that's the the culprit there is mayo, Mm -hmm. which is just gross. It's a gross ingredient in general. I don't mind a little bit of slab on the bottom, but other than that, yeah. You a mayo guy? You don't want like a whole mayo salad. I'm a mayo <laughs> guy. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an every food guy. I'll eat what I can get here, Deej. I see you on the street. I'm like, that dude loves mayo. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah, it sounds bad. Three, Brian writes in, does anyone actually appreciate birthday card, a birthday card, or is it a waste of time and money? Is it an outdated gesture? Yeah, we talked a little bit about this and it's definitely outdated. Like if you're giving me a birthday card, very nice. I understand you if especially if it's like accompanying a gift, right? I understand you gotta put in something, you just don't want to be handing me a bill. But I think you wasted like your three thirty nine on it at CVS. Like just save your money next time. Venmo me if you really want to get me something. I'm guessing like you don't have to, right? But if you're gonna write like a nice little letter on there, like expressing what I mean to you or something, I guess you can give me a card. Thing about a card is it often gets thrown away, even if you write something nice on it. So take a piece of printer paper, fold in half, and write a nice paragraph note to that person. You have the time, believe me. Get off your damn phone, spend 20 minutes, and write it, and put your name at the bottom, and they'll appreciate that gesture much more than some card that costs six bucks. Amen, dude. I think that's a good way to look at it, right? Like, even put a little, like, uh, you know, a little design if you're creative. Make your own card, right? Save your money. They'll probably appreciate it. They'll probably look at it a couple of times before they throw it away. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Last question from the fans Scooter and Cincy. Is that Scooter uh, Gannett, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Love He's that. He's on the Reds anymore. He's not? I don't know. We'll have to look, yeah, look it up. up. Look that up. Why isn't Greasy on TikTok yet? Was the question, man, we're having a t- I mean, what kind of content are we going to throw out there? You know, know. <laughs> I'm interested in the idea. I was thinking about that today when the question came in, and I'm like, what you know, TikTok was obviously well known for like the dancing side of things. Uh, we're not going to be those guys, and second of all, you know, like most of all, I think sometimes it's okay to have nothing to say. And we are guys that have nothing to say on that platform. We barely have anything to say outside of this podcast. This is like compacted into all the thoughts of the week. Yeah, this is it, right? And like to try to make a clip like that, I just don't think that's us. And especially like our audience, I don't think is going to be on TikTok. Like, what are we going to pull a little clip from this and post it? The only thing I was thinking that I might have had from content. Oh, no, he was on the Giants last year, Scooter. So Scooter, if you're listening, good luck with the Giants. Um, but uh I think I was tagging stickers today or greasy podcast stickers. So again, if you want a greasy pod sticker, hit me up. I was sewing them around Tremont and I was like, this could be something, but it's not good. Right? Like it's not. Also, I am throwing an offer out there. If you find a greasy sticker in the wild then take a picture of it, tag us on Twitter. First beer that you want is on me. Wow. Love that. That's a great content. The thing is, I think it's exhausting to constantly think of like content ideas. So some of those repeatables are key. So I think, you know, the biggest TikTokers are those dancers, right? And that feels like not easy per se, but at least you have, you know what you can do, right? The biggest new dance comes out and you 
do your thing to it. Right. We need those content pieces. Boom, boom, boom. That we can slot in. Mm-hmm. We're not dancers. <laughs> no, we're not. I think it'd be sweet though. If you were the, you know, and I know this isn't like a job or anything, but you were the person that determined what little parts of songs became dances on TikTok because it's all half of them are like these random artists that just blow up on there because there's this little catchy part of the song that kind of goes with some blocking and movement and bullshit, you know? Yeah. I think they call that the hook. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Something like that. All right. Those are the cues from the F's. That's about it for the show. Um, Rob, do you have anything else? No, Deej, obviously a heavy week, uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, we would love to just talk about sports and gambling on this, but I mean, uh, hopefully we said um, some things that resonate with people, but at the end of the day, we're just two dudes from the butthole of America, you know? How do I move on from that? Uh, we got shirts ordered this week. Those are going to be here in a few weeks. Got some great output from that, so appreciate all you guys there. Uh, and I think that's about it. Shout out Darlington Nagby, Red Peppers, and all my people with cleft chins. See you next week. Yeah.